You are listening to the Long Hollow Podcast. For more information on Long Hollow or to watch a video version of this podcast, visit www.longhollow.com. Good morning. Good to see you. Good to be here in Hendersonville and uh, Gallatin and all the places that folks come from. Long Hollow, those of you joining us online, want to welcome you as well. Uh, we're going to talk about our mission in this moment. And boy, hasn't the world changed in the last few years. I had the privilege of, uh, of living here in Hendersonville, right on the border of Hendersonville and Gallatin. Uh, we weren't sure which we quite lived in until the police showed up during our fireworks display, which are legal in Gallatin and illegal in Hendersonville, and we told them we were in Gallatin. Uh, and they bought it, and I'm still here to tell the tale. So. Um, but we live right on the border there, so it's good to be, good to be back and good to be here. Um, and I used to preach here some. Actually, in 2006, I preached here uh, about once a month. And, and then some of you know that the pastor of First Baptist, uh, uh, Brother Glenn Weekly, he died. And David uh, Lander said, you've got to go over there and help them. And I became the interim over there. But I had the privilege of uh, sharing here a lot, lots of times. And so it's good to be back with you. And I'm just going to pick off where I was in part seven of the series in 2006. So I... <laughs> I know you got your notes, so just take them out and let's follow along and pick up right there. Boy, but the world has changed since 2006. The world has changed in just the last five to 10 years, and we're in the time of great turbulence and tumult. We're not living in normal times. And if you've been feeling the weight of the moment, wondering, is it just you? It's not just you. It's a unique time of turbulence and tumult. It's a complicated time. It's a challenging time. And there's no better time to go back to the gospel, actually in one of the gospels, to see what the Lord has for us. If you have your Bible, take it out and turn with me to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. We're going to talk about my favorite verse in the whole Bible. I hope that's okay. I was talking to Pastor Robbie and he said, you know, what, what passage you want to bring? And he kind of explained to me the series you're about to start. I said, let me share from John chapter 20. It's my favorite passage in the whole Bible. And here's what it says. We're going to read it together. It's John chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. It says, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Uh, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So here we are in this unique time of turbulence and tumult. I've been calling it a cultural convulsion. And some researchers tell us that every 60 years, America seems to go through a cultural convulsion. It's a time when we sort of look at one another and maybe don't believe one another or trust one another or want to be with one another. It's a time when, when the culture seems to be pulling apart and breaking apart at the same time. It's, it tends to be multifaceted. It's, uh, it's not just about the economy. It's not just about politics, not just about the pandemic. It's sort of all these things together leads us into this cultural moment. But I believe that the moment we're in does not pause the mission we're on. So I'm going to talk today about the moment in the mission. We're going to look through this passage. We're going to look through four things from it, and we're going to walk through it together. So if you're a note taker, you can jot these things down. Number one, first and foremost, fear is always the opposite of faith. And this is a fearful time for a lot of people. Well, let's go back 2,000 years ago, right? The situation is not the same, but perhaps the emotion is, perhaps the, re the response is. Remember, the moment we're in does not pause the mission we're on. Let's look at their fear moment 2,000 years ago. 
It says, on the evening of that day, now what is that day? Well, actually, if you have your Bible, and if your Bible has headings, like, like my Bible has headings, the heading under this section is the disciples commissioned, right? But the heading on the section before is actually Mary Magdalene sees the risen Lord. And the heading just before that, at the beginning of John 20 is the empty tomb. So what day is it? It's Easter Sunday night. So on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked. Now, again, I'm guessing you might lock your doors, right? Some people do, some people don't, but, but there's nothing wrong per se with locking your doors. But John, the gospel writer, is a detail giver. And he's giving us some details about what's going on. It says, the, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, why? Well, Doc, where the disciples were, for fear. The doors were locked for fear. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They're afraid of being arrested. Now, I don't want you to miss this moment, right? So they had seen Jesus die, either physically there on Friday, on Good Friday, or maybe they heard about it because they weren't in the immediate uh, vicinity, but they knew that Jesus had died. That would be a day when we might expect them to be afraid, and they certainly were. And that Saturday, right, he's in the tomb, right? They, 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 they don't know uh, what's going to happen. They're, they, they may be hearing rumors and, and the, the city's restless. And that would seem to be a day they might be afraid. But then comes Sunday. And Sunday, Jesus is back from the dead. Now, they know this because Mary Magdalene has told them this. So they actually have heard that Jesus is back from the dead. And John, the detail giver, gospel writer, wants us to know that they're afraid and they're hiding behind closed doors when they know Jesus is back from the dead. That ought to catch our attention. Why? Because 2,000 years later, sometimes we still struggle with fear. We still struggle with uncertainty. We're still unsure, yet in the midst of this moment, the same Jesus is still back from the dead. And the reality is, for us, it's a reminder that we can trust the Lord in the midst of any circumstances. You see, right now it's a tumultuous and turbulent time and maybe you're unsure what the future holds. Some people, are, some people are afraid about the economy. Some people are afraid about the political division. Some people are afraid about the pandemic. Some people are afraid that people are too afraid of the pandemic. <laughs> Did I get it all covered? See, because the reality is fear can be a driving force. And you say, well, Ed, what does the future hold? And I don't know the future. I don't know the future politically, economically, health-wise. I don't know the future. I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I work at a nonprofit organization. I don't know. (laughs) You say, but I'm a doctor, but I'm I'm the kind of doctor my kids say doesn't actually help anybody. So I don't know (laughs) any of these things. But People are afraid today. You say, I'm not. Well, maybe not. Or maybe you're afraid that some people are too afraid. Or maybe you're afraid that, that if we don't speak up enough and be more aggressive against these things, that we might lose this or we might lose that. I want to say to you is that in the midst of this, 2,000 years ago, they were afraid. And Jesus came and met them at their point of fear. And he can came and come and meet you at your point of fear as well. Now, here's the reality. Fear is a driving force in our society because it is overwhelmingly what draws us to screens. Now, 2,000 years ago, they didn't have screens, so I can't tell you what they were thinking about screens, right? But 2,000 years later, we actually can be driven here, and the algorithm on our social media will drive us to things that make us angry, things that make us angry are usually because we're afraid something's going the wrong direction. And what's happening is consistently over and over again, people are being far more shaped by what they see on their screens than what they see in the scripture. 
See, we have a generation today being discipled by their cable news choices. They're being spiritually shaped by their social media feed. And in the midst of all this, it's creating fear because fear is what drives people to talk radio, to cable news, and to social media. We know it, advertisers know it, and they traffic in it. But Jesus calls us to a different way, to a better way, to a scriptural way, right? And we're going to look at this even the next few weeks as we launch this series, Did God Really Say? These are going to be challenging topics where we're going to look to the scripture, unafraid to step into what the Bible teaches about challenging and complicated issues. But we're doing that in a time when people are already divided in our culture and in our community. So how do we walk in this moment? Well, the moment we're in, does not pause the mission we're on. So we step forward, trusting the word of God, trusting the Holy Spirit's at work, believing the truths of the scripture and reminding ourselves that John, the detail giver, gospel writer told us that they were afraid on the day of the resurrection itself with doors locked for fear. Number one, fear is always the opposite of faith. Number two on our outline is that peace is always the Christian response. Peace is always the Christian response, right? The moment we're in does not pause the mission we're on. So let's continue to look through the text and see what happens. So in the next sentence, it says this, Jesus came and stood among them. Now we don't know specifically how he does this. The doors are locked. He's been bodily resurrected from the dead. He's back from the grave. And now here he is, right? He shows up behind closed doors, right? Passes through these closed doors miraculously and supernaturally. It says, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. Four key words. Would you mind saying those words out loud with me together? If you're watching online at home, I want you to say them with me out loud too. Let's do it. Peace be with you. Let's say it again. Peace be with you. I said it twice because Jesus says it twice. And if Jesus says something once, it ought to have your full attention. But if he says something twice, we want to know what's going on. You see, in a time when they were afraid, Jesus spoke peace. Right? And I wish I could say to you that in a fearful time 2,000 years later, that all the followers of Jesus that I know have evidenced the peace of God that passes all understanding. That they've not been anxious for anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, they made their requests being made known to God. I wish I could say that, but instead it seems a whole lot of them have decided to vent all of their fear and anger on social media. And that's not the Lord's call in our life. You say, well, Ed, you know, I, I'm a, I live in a free country. I can say whatever I want. And you can, and you can. And you can say anything you want and you can say it all day long and you can burn bridges with people who don't know Jesus. You can actually make every point that you want, get caught up in every, every social media swarm and mob that's out there about every issue that you want to. And you'll burn bridges with people who need to hear the good news of the gospel who disagree with you. And what I would say to you, you can do that all day long. You say, Ed, I'm just trying to be frank, and I get it. And I would say, if your name's not Frank, please stop. (laughs) And if your name's Frank, get it under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Is the Lord honored by your social media presence? Do people look to you and say, that's somebody who's walking in peace that passes all understanding? Not, what an opportunity to get that under the lordship of Jesus Christ. See, in Philippians 4, 7, it says this, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It is not understandable. It's not understandable. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful promise. 
What a picture of what the Christian life should be in a turbulent and tumultuous time with our hearts and our minds guarded in Christ Jesus. It's not the absence of problems. It's not the absence of difficulty. It's not the absence of struggle, right? It's not. We, we recognize that we still deal with those challenges, right? As followers of Jesus, we don't get to jump on the bypass and get past all the traffic. We still go through it. Now, the reality is this, but Jesus has done something different in our lives. See, in Ephesians 2, 4, it says he himself is our peace. So it's not just that we should have peace. It's that having Jesus in our life brings peace. Jesus actually says to his followers, peace I leave with you. One of the characteristics of a follower of Jesus in Middle Tennessee in 2022 should be people look to him or to her and say there's something different. The world's on fire and they're bringing the love of Jesus. You say, well, Ed, should we not? Speak up or speak out on challenging issues? Well, of course. I hope you're ready for the next few weeks here at the church as we do those very things. But in the midst of that, it says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give with you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Do, do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Boy, there's something for the last few years. Do not let your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You see, when we understand this moment, it reminds us of the call to peace. And maybe, maybe in some ways we, we wish we could go back to a time that was less turbulent and tumultuous. We don't get to pick the time that we're born. Just seemed a little different 10 years ago, maybe. Remember when we were living here in Hendersonville, my girls were, they were just kids, just little. As of yesterday, my last daughter, I have three daughters, which is both a, a statement of great joy and a desperate request for prayer. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> And just yesterday, the last one got in the car and drove off to college. And now we're empty nesters and we're deeply sad. <laughs> they don't watch the video. They might watch the, listen to the audio. Um, but I got to tell you, I remember just, I mean, 2006 when I'm here, you know, sharing, sharing at Long Hollow. And, and then I went over to, to serve and, and help at First Baptist during their time of need. And, and I remember, I mean, I, we were new. I'm from New York and Donna's from Canada. And so we, we, we come, we're new to, the, to living in a place like Nashville. And, and, and we go and we, we learn about this thing called Cracker Barrel. And oh, it's amazing. It's like a garage sale with food. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> So we're going over there, hanging out, you know, right over there, streets of Indian Lake, all that sort of stuff. We're loving it. And, and we'd come to Long Hollow or whatever church maybe in this town, and people would say, well, we have differences of opinion. We feel differently about this issue and this issue, and, but that's okay because the gospel unites us. The gospel brings us together. We have a peace that passes all understanding. And, and I gotta tell you, it seems simpler 10 years ago, but still the gospel should be what unites us. You're gonna disagree on things. You're gonna struggle with other people. You're going to say, why don't they see things the way I see things? But when the word of God is our foundation and the truths of the scripture are lived out in our lives, that's what brings us together with a peace that passes all understanding. In the midst of a turbulent and tumultuous, tumultuous time, the moment we're in does not pause the mission we're on. So first, fear is always the opposite of faith. We want to be a people not gripped by fear of the moment. Fear is a driving reality in political seasons, it's actually the negative ads that move the dial on elections. You say, well, I don't like negative ads. Well, they work. Why? Because they make people afraid of what might happen if the other person wins. Fear 
is a driving reality. Fear is always the opposite of faith. Number two, peace is always the Christian response. Jesus says, peace be with you. Number three in our outline, the cross is always our hope and our motivation. It's an interesting thing that seems to happen here. Um, the, well, let's, let's look at the text. It says this, when he had said this, he being Jesus, when Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now let's leave that up on the screen for just a moment. I want you to notice a couple things about it. It says, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. But then the second sentence says, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Now John's a detail giver. So why is John giving us two sentences when one could have done the job? Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord, right? You knew they would be, right? If you saw somebody die on Friday and saw them again on Sunday, you'd be glad. You might be a little nervous at first, but you'd be glad afterwards. Well, now, you know, Jesus had spoken to his, his resurrection. So, so they were glad. The disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So why then does John include the prior sentence? He says this. It says, for if we live, right? I'm sorry. It says, when he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Now, why? Because he's reminding them. He, they see the beauty of the resurrection. He's reminding of them that the beauty of the resurrection is deeply tied to the work of the crucifixion. Don't want you to miss this, right? The beauty of the resurrection is deeply tied to the work of the crucifixion. It is not just that we have a savior who was risen from the dead on the third day, though it is, but it is not just that. It is that he has died on the cross for our sin and in our place. And if you're here as a guest today, we're so glad you're here. If you're watching online, and you're not a follower of Jesus, the message that we have for you today is not try harder, it's not do better, it's not turn over a new leaf. The gospel is not about turning over a new leaf, it's about you receiving new life, new life in Christ that comes because he died on the cross for your sin and in your place. And I invite you to trust and follow him. And having trusted and follow him, we then can live this truth out. You see, the cross is always our hope and motivation. I don't get over the good news of the gospel. I don't get over the work of the cross. I didn't grow up in church. Since I didn't grow up in church, I came to Christ not as a little kid, but still young, but enough that I grew up in a family that didn't know the Lord. And when Jesus saved me and changed me, I came to the conclusion that this reality shapes everything. So it's not just that I needed a little bit of religion. It's not that I needed a little bit of trying harder for God. It's that I needed a new heart and a new life. And that comes because Jesus died on the cross. And that changes everything. And that's part of how we live in the midst of turbulent and tumultuous times. Remember, the moment we're in does not pause the mission we're on. So whatever the future holds, I don't know, you don't know, whatever the future holds, we can stand on Romans 14.8 as still true 2,000 years ago and true now. For if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord. So the reality is we go on mission because of the cross of Christ. So yeah, the times are, are different but the mission hasn't changed. The times are tumultuous and turbulent, but Jesus still died on the cross for our sin and in our place, and God still has raised him from the dead, and he dwells in our heart if you're a follower of Jesus. Number four, and finally, and I'll close with this. You know what it means when a guest speaker says, I'll close with this, right? 
Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I remember when David Landreth, man, he just go, he didn't know a time clock to save his life. And from what I see, Robbie Galtes continued that tradition as well. So, but I'm the guest speaker, so I stay within the time allotted. But we always go because Jesus came to us. Right, so the moment we're in doesn't pause the mission we're on. Let's look at the verse. It's John chapter 20, my favorite verse in the whole Bible, right? John chapter 20, verse 21. It said, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. Would you say that again with me? Let's do it. Let's say it together. Peace be with you. Receive that, sisters and brothers. Peace be with you. And then he said, as the Father has sent me, even so, I am sending you. One of the four commissions of Jesus, we won't go through all four of them for the sake of time, but the great commission, right? Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, we saw what God did in this outpouring at Long Hollow, right? Now, again, I, I'm a researcher. I have files on thousands of churches that we track, we do research on. And what took place in your church during that Holy Spirit outpouring was fascinating, unique, and powerful. So we have these files on churches. I got a file on your church, but now it's in a special section called Freakishly Abnormal Churches. <laughs> for the good, for the kingdom of God, right? In, in a good way, in a good sense. Why? Because you heard the Great Commission. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And right here, hundreds upon hundreds, some of you right here in this room, follow the Lord in baptism. So another commission is this commission. It's John 20, 21. It's my it's my favorite verse in the, in the whole Bible. It's, it's, it's funny because when I came here last night, I, I'm staying at the swanky new Fairfield at the streets of Indian Lake. So, uh, and and because uh, and I've always, you know, streets of Indian Lake, I always had to go there. So, uh, and your hospitality team is just super, I, I haven't met any of them, but they've been very nice to me as a hospitality team. And they gave me, um, they gave me some chocolate because what I needed was more things to eat. And, uh, <laughs> and, and they gave me a Bible. They gave me this Bible. This is my brand new Bible that they gave me. I mean, you could stop an attacker with this Bible. This is, this is a serious Bible. And if you open up this Bible, as I had, to John chapter 20, verse 21, right? You open it up right there, and you'll, what you'll see is um, this Bible. So John 20, 21 is right over here, and there's an article about this verse right here, and it's actually written by, well, by me. And so here's the article. <laughs> so... So let me just read the article, what I had to say about this verse that they gave me last night in a Bible. But Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you aute in the Greek, means in the same manner, not for the same purpose, but you are sent on mission by Jesus. See, and that's to all followers of Jesus. We're on a great commission highway that goes back 2,000 years. Jesus told his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. And the disciples told somebody who told somebody who told somebody who eventually told somebody who told you. So a few years ago, we, were, we live in Chicago now, and it, is, uh, it was February in Chicago, and it is cold in February in Chicago. It is colder than a legalist's heart, and that's cold uh, in Chicago. So we call Uber. Uber comes to take us to the airport because it's February. I was speaking at a conference in Florida, and Donna's like, February, Florida, I'm going with you. So we, the Uber comes up, and Jane's the Uber driver, and she says, hi, Ed, because my name's on the Uber, and asks Donna's name, and Donna says her name is Donna. We get in the car, and Jane says to us, hey, if you need any phone chargers, I got, I got charger plugs. If you need any, uh, got some candy here, um, got some water bottles. She said, and anything you want in the basket, 
between the seats, feel free to take. And there was the candy bottle of water and a strategically placed New Testament of the Bible. I mean, obviously she placed that there for a reason. So Donna and I, as of what, 13 days ago, we've been married 35 years. So we started dating when we were 16, friends at 15, married at 20. So 35 years of marriage. There comes a point after 30 years of marriage, some of you are not there yet, but you'll get there, right, if you're married. Um, you actually no longer need words to communicate entire paragraphs. <laughs> so I get in the car, Donna gets in the car, Jane says, take anything you want. We look down at the Bible together, we look and smile at each other, and I say, without uttering a word, just telepathy, I say, let's have a little fun with this and see where this goes. And Donna says, okay, but do not take this too far, young man. <laughs> That's the mental conversation. So Jane starts talking to us and says, um, well, where are you from? And I'm, you know, from New York and I was from Canada and said, oh, you know, she asked other questions like what about our kids and our family? What brought you here? And, you know, I, I used to be the vice president at, at Lifeway. I used to be one of the vice presidents at Lifeway here in town. Uh, used to be a Lifeway bookstore, right? Remember the Lifeway bookstore, right? Just around here, remember that? You remember that? You know why it's gone? Because you shopped at Amazon. But that's another story. Sorry. I still got to work through some of that, I think. Um, still got to work through some of that, but I'm going to work through that later on. So, so anyway, so I told, I told Jane, well, you know, I just come up. I was a vice president of a company in, in Nashville, moved to Chicago, and, and now I'm a teacher. I didn't want to tell her what I did because I'm a teacher. I didn't want to say, you know, leave the Billy Graham Center. And, uh, and she said, great. So she eventually gets to some spiritual questions. So she says, so, and Donna, do you guys have any spiritual beliefs or any religious upbringing? I mean, she's like really, really doing a great job leading us to a spiritual conversation. So at that point, Donna looks at me without any words and says, now you have to tell her now. I mean, come point, I can't avoid the question. So I said, Jane, yes, we're Christians, Jane. We're followers of Jesus. And, and, and I gotta tell you, um, I teach evangelism at Wheaton College and you are doing so great right now. A plus for you. And we laughed and I said, Jane, can I record an interview with you? And I just took my phone out, put it on voice memo and recorded this interview. Um, you can actually find it if you're interested. Look after the sermon, but go, you go Google Jane the Uber driver and just about how she just was burdened to share the gospel with people. And February is a slow time. She's a realtor, it's a slow time. So she said, I'm gonna take up driving Uber so I can talk to people and tell them about Jesus. You see, she knew that she was on God's great commission highway. Somebody told her, somebody told her, somebody told her. So we flew down to Fort Lauderdale for this meeting. And the next morning, you got the news that we got that Billy Graham died that day. And I was actually with his, his oldest grandson, Stefan Chavijan, and... We had to both change our plans. I wrote a couple articles for USA Today and CNN, got to share the gospel in both, and the world watched the funeral, right? So you probably tuned in and saw the funeral broadcast around the world. It was, uh, I mean, it stopped, it's, it, was the made, it was the story on every news station, and fast forward a week or so, and we gathered in the funeral in North Carolina. And a New York Times reporter named Lori comes up to me and she says, Dr. Stetzer asked me some questions about Billy Graham. You know, I work at his alma mater, Wheaton College, so there were natural questions, and and she asked a few of them, what, what do you think his legacy was? What do you think people would, he would want people to know? And then she asked the question I knew was coming. She said, so who's the next Billy Graham? And nobody in the family claims to be the next Billy Graham. Nobody really should. But I was ready for the question. She said, who's the next Billy Graham? I said, Lori, it's Jane the Uber driver. <laughs> and she looked at me with this strange look on her face. Let me explain. And she smiled. That's a great story, but it's not making the New York Times. And that's okay. But here's the thing. 
What Billy Graham knew, because Mordecai Ham shared the gospel with Billy Graham, and Billy Graham shared the gospel with millions of people, is the same thing that Jane knew, that somebody shared the gospel with her, and she was to share the gospel with somebody else. Listen, if Jesus has sent us on a mission to our neighbors, and to, he sent us to our neighbors and the nations, but let's just talk about locally. If he sent us to our neighbors, and to our coworkers, and to our family, and to our friends, when he says, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you, he's saying that you and I, the disciples in the room 2,000 years ago, and 2,000 years later, you and I in this room are sent by Jesus on mission. So when I lived here in Hendersonville, we just made a map of our neighborhood. There were eight neighbors that we knew didn't know the Lord around us. We prayed for them, and we sought to share the gospel with them one at a time, and had the privilege of leading several to Christ, um, had the privilege of inviting all to church. We shared the gospel with seven of eight of them. Why not eight of eight, you say? Well, one of them didn't like my kids. How do you not like my children? They were the get off our lawn neighbors. And if you're here today, I'm thankful you have repented. (laughs) But here's the thing I don't want you to miss, right? So in the midst of turbulent and tumultuous times, we're to go towards the turmoil and turbulence with the good news of the gospel. See, now so many, it seems, in the last few years have decided to become just part of making the noise louder. And I think instead, we need to hear the words of Jesus and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Let me tell you about my grandfather. My grandfather was a fireman. He would, we'd say firefighter today, but he'd say fireman. He was a fireman in New York City and he oversaw, he was a fire battalion chief. He oversaw some of the houses right there that hit were hardest on 9-11. Before you knew that the New York Fire Department were heroes on 9-11, I knew because of the stories of my grandfather. And I'm super thankful for first responders even here today. And my grandfather was a fire battalion chief, my uncle, a New York City cop. Um, and, 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 and matter of fact, here's their, here's their badges. Here's their badges. And he would, he would actually, my grandfather would tell me stories. I'd mow his lawn. He'd tell me stories afterwards. He'd call me Eddie. And he'd say, Eddie, he called me Eddie, and you may not. He said, Eddie, <laughs> said the fire was on, and we rushed in, and we rescued the person. And said, there's a bomb scare. We're the ones who, what he said was, when everyone else is running away, we run towards the crisis. And I thought years later, in the midst of a tumultuous and turbulent time, as followers of Jesus, isn't that similar to our call? Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. It's not 10 years ago. Now it's much more tumultuous and turbulent. Yet I thank God that you're in a church that's going to walk through some of the hard issues together. I thank God that you're going to walk through the next few weeks a series called, Did God Really Say?, Because in the midst of the turbulence and the tumult, what we need is the word of God taught to the people of God who can stand on the scriptures in the power of the Holy Spirit for God's faithfulness. Now, here's the thing. Because it's so turbulent and tumultuous, some of you are going to say, well, I wish you said it this way, pastor. I wish you said it that way, pastor. And what I want to say to you is, is listen to the word of God taught by someone you know, love, and trust. You say, well, you know, I, I've been listening to, to cable news and, and the pastor didn't say it the way I would say it from what I saw. Here's what I want you to hear. Listen, if cable news is keeping you out of fellowship with your local church, it's time to unsubscribe from it, unplug it, cancel it, throw out the television, choose your church over cable. This is not a hard thing, sisters and brothers, but in a tumultuous time, it is. And if the tumult and turbulence in the world comes in and divides the people of God, the end result is the enemy has the victory. So centuries before Jesus said these words, there's a verse in the Old Testament that's kind of like John 20, 21. 
It's found in Isaiah chapter six. And in Isaiah chapter six, right at the beginning, it says in the year King Uzziah died. When a king died in the Old Testament, could mean the kingdom was doomed. It could, might, might not, but it could mean the kingdom was doomed. People could lose their lives, their livelihood and more. It was a time of great tumult and turbulence. And Isaiah has this vision. I don't have time to unpack it all, but it's in Isaiah chapter six, this powerful, beautiful vision. Isaiah has this vision. And then it comes to this passage, if you will, reflecting the New Testament passage of Jesus sending. Here's what it says. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. Those five words, would you mind sending, saying those out loud with me? Let's say them together. Here I am, send me. So in the midst of the turbulence and the tumult, we're reminded that we're on a great commission highway. That somebody told somebody who told somebody, and all I'm saying to you, there's more to be said, but all I'm saying to you is don't let your life, in the midst of a turbulent and tumultuous time, when the road gets bumpy and windy, don't let your life be a cul-de-sac on God's great commission highway. Here I am, send me. The moment we're in does not pause the mission we're on. And I want to invite you to say to the Lord Jesus in the midst of these tumultuous and turbulent times, and I'm going to build my life on the rock that is Jesus, on the word of God that remains true, God's inerrant and inspired word. I'm going to build my life there. Over the next few weeks, when we walk through challenging messages together, the word of God's going to be the foundation upon which we build our relationship with Jesus as we're engaging the cultural moment. But also we got to engage our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends and our family. Would you say today with me, here I am, Lord, send me. Hearing the words of Jesus as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. What a great, great way to respond. Here I am, Lord, send me. I want to invite you to think about where the Lord has sent you, to your neighbor, Maybe it's to another nation, right? To join him on global missions. But to your neighbor, to your coworker, to your friend, to that person you see on Tuesdays, to that person you connect with on Fridays. Could you say, here I am, Lord, send me? To social media. I'm such a train wreck so many times. To say, here I am, Lord, send me. To the division in our culture. When there's a crisis, when there's tumult and turbulence, we rush towards the crisis, saying, here I am, Lord, send me. I want to invite you today in your mind's eye to think of that place, that people, that situation where you're called to hear the words of Jesus. So remember what we walk through today. Fear is always the opposite of faith. This is not a moment for fear. It's a moment for faithfulness. Peace is always the Christian response. Walking in a peace that passes all understanding, right? The cross is always our hope and motivation, right? We can stand with confidence because Jesus died on the cross for our sin. And in our place, we always go because Jesus came to us. Here I am, send me. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come before you today and acknowledge in the challenge of this time, and of this moment, that the moment we're in does not pause the mission we're on. Lord Jesus, we come before you today, afresh and anew, acknowledging that we're on a great commission highway, that we're God's people sent on mission in the midst of a broken and hurting and a uniquely turbulent and tumultuous world. So Father, I pray that we might 
hear the words of Jesus, as the Father has sent me, even so send I you. And we might respond maybe with the words of Isaiah. Here I am, send me. Could you just, for just a moment, in your mind's eye, think about that situation, that person, that context, whatever it may be, that neighbor, that workplace, that school. I actually want you to pray it out loud with me, just softly, but out loud. Get that in your mind's eye and let's say it together. Say it with me. Here I am, send me. One more time, let's say it together. Here I am, send me. Lord Jesus, in the midst of a time of turbulence and tumult we've not seen in our lifetime, help us not long for the past, but help us to be faithful in the present. Here we are, Lord, send us. In Jesus' name, amen.